You're listening to the Hard Money Podcast, hosted by the economic activist himself, founder of Rad Diversified, CEO of Tax Auction Investors, and the visionary behind the American Survivalist Project, Dutch Mendenhall. Well, hello, everybody. Excited for the Hard Money Podcast with Bill Barnett, a good friend. Bill and I have known each other over a decade um, I look to Bill as one of the first thought leaders, one of the first mentors in the real estate uh, training, real estate investing, real estate education industry that I, you know, I think I ever met in my entire history. I think it was 14 to 15 years ago we met. And yeah. Bill is someone I kind of followed for many years as I modeled, you know, my business and built my business and have able to, you know, achieve the things that I've been able to achieve. I know you guys are familiar with that stuff, but I want you to be familiar with what Bill's done. I mean, the guy is incredible and I can't wait for him to share with you. Um, so what's happening, Bill? How you doing, man? Great seeing you again and uh, catch it up. Always good to do that and hear what's happening out in, uh, on the left coast. And uh, so glad that you're surviving out there. And I'm in God's country, so I'm, I'm good here, here in Texas. So, so uh, a lot of great things going on. Uh, still, still doing the real estate day in, day out. Uh, still have the brokerage firm. We're going into our 12th year with the brokerage firm and uh, just um, – Still doing flips and got a guaranteed money program that I've been doing for uh, Kevin and I have been doing for uh, about a year and a half now that is uh, just doing incredibly well. So uh, well, everything real I, estate, brother. One of the things I've always loved about Bill, right? Everybody is just like he's very accessible, right? He's very um, open minded. But he's not, you know, gonna gonna take things lightly. Like when it comes to making decisions or investments or different things, and so I always appreciated over the years that, like, when I asked him this or I asked for help with this or I, or I looked to this, right? And and you know, I I I, I love that a part about it, right? Book wrote, Bill wrote the book. Are you dumb enough to be rich, right? And then he wrote the second. Are you dumb enough to be rich, right? And they're both, yep. you know, extremely successful, you know, best-selling books. And uh, you know, another one is, you know, about communication and just different things Bill's done over the years where, you know, he's been able to achieve these high levels. But I look at, you know, you look at a bio, right? And he's, you know, president of this and on this board of this nonprofit and on this successful. And we'll talk about some of those, you know, different different things. And but the amazing part is. Um, what I love is you're either on fire or you're not on fire, right? And in life, it's a choice. It's a choice. Yeah, so, Bill, let, I just want to ask you a question, right? That that conscious is, you know, at this point in your life, I know you've been on fire. Um, I know we all run through cycles. We run through ups and downs yep. in life, right? Yep. Talk about that concept of just, you know, being on fire as an entrepreneur, right? Being being able to go through each hurdle, each door, each window that you have to, you know, fly through, fly through to be successful. Talk about that. Well, you know, uh, recently, Elon Musk was doing an interview and uh, he had a bunch of entrepreneurs in the room and they started a Q&A session. And one of the entrepreneurs asked him, he said, I want you to give me uh, your tip for staying motivated. Tell me something that I can use to stay motivated. And I, I cracked up when I heard the answer because Musk said, if I need to motivate you as an entrepreneur, you're in the wrong business. And so part of being an entrepreneur and, and you know, I've, I've been in television for, uh, for a while. I did radio for seven years, all about real estate. And is that creative? Yeah. If you're an entrepreneur, you have a creative spirit about you. Now it may be something like what we're doing, the podcast, it may be radio, it may be TV, but it also, uh, I see the creative side just in the real estate, in the properties. I, I love, 
I was over at a, at a rehab this morning, yeah, redesigning a bathroom. Just, yeah, it's something that I still do. I'm going into my 30th year in investing, and I still do flips. I still love uh, trumpsing around in these trashed out old houses and sharing with my contractors, you know, this is what it should look like when we're done with it. And that's a, it's an expressive, creative outlet uh, in being able to do that. And that's what helps keep you on fire. So you got to have something that really fulfills you inside. Now you got to understand why, uh, why are you doing this? For me, I got three boys. Uh, my baby's 15 years old now. He's a sophomore in high school. I've got one that's a, a sophomore. I, I'm embarrassed to say this, and you'll you'll wonder why I didn't raise him better. But I have a, a sophomore in Oklahoma, um, and then I have a 29 year old. So uh, you know you, you have to have uh, the reasons why, and our kids are always a good reason why. But setting the example and being the model and and showing them and and my oldest is in business for himself, which I'm thrilled about. And it's just one of those things that. My dad was an entrepreneur to the core. Um, he didn't see himself the way I saw him. Uh, he had a job much of his life, but he also uh, had a chain of shoe stores as I was growing up and, and always did stuff on the side, including uh, seller financing. He did seller financing on cars, which is where I learned that uh, that principle and applied it to real estate. But it's uh, you, you just have to find what fulfills you. Tony Robbins says, you know, everybody in life, we are constantly, uh, we're growing or we're dying. Uh, and if you don't have something that keeps you on fire, then you're dying. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had people ask me when I plan on retiring and I'm like, wow, uh, when they lower me in the hole, you can count me retired, but I plan on owning that one too. Yeah. You know, like for me, I don't typically worry about that as much as like a timing standpoint right i know that like yeah. like my boys are four and five and so you know i look at you know 10 to 15 you know 15 to 18 i look at different phases of their life and where i want to uh, be from a freedom standpoint right to be able yeah. to be impactful be a part of their lives but the greatest impact you can make on their lives is to lead by example right lead by absolutely lead, lead by yeah. your word lead by your mission lead by your life um you know for me it's interesting i i'm very like motivation is something i've never you know it's never been a conversation for me right i don't think about motivation right i think about what's next and 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 i think that kind of goes in alignment with with what elon was saying there for me i have this vision of my business of you know like here's how we're going to get to become a billion dollar fund right that's that's mm -hmm. the vision for us is to become a billion dollar reit that's the phases we're at you know and you know we're you know i was just actually doing you know first time in almost a year where I did, you know, a full analysis of our portfolio and like where we've gotten to and, and those kind of things. And, you know, we've crossed, you know, we're closing in on that $80 million mark in the portfolio, you know, and I was just like, right. holy shit. Right. And, but at the same time, I know where the mission and the goal is, you know, and, yeah. and so then, but then I let go because I'm not worried. Cause if all you do is focus on the end, you're, you'll get stuck in the middle, you know? And so for me, I kind of let go of that. And then it's the next, the next, and I have this vision yeah. of what I want everything to look like. And so I spent a great part of my life pulling in pieces and resources to create, create that vision, right? And so, yep. so that's you know one of those amazing, amazing things that we do, right? And and your dogs would agree with me. My 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 alarm system just went off. Okay. I have a hundred and thirty pound shepherd uh, sitting over wow. there. Wow, so. that's great. She's she's a big girl. Hey. My my dog would want to fight with yours, but she's like a fifteen pound miniature golden retriever. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Uh, you know, she might lose. Uh, she might lose, but. You know, Texans like to believe that, though, right? So they like to believe, you know, as Californians, you know, we lose, you know, when it comes to those things. Uh, so, uh, you know, you're about to enter this phase uh, at with your boys being four and five. You're getting into the age where they're going to uh, start, if they haven't already, they're going to start playing organized sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I, I got to tell you, I, I coached for nine years. Uh, uh, many of those years, I coached four teams a year with them, and – just one of the greatest times of my life. There was so much going on business-wise, but most of the things that I remember through those years, I have to stop and think about what was happening business-wise during that time because the things that pop up uh, are the things that I did with the boys did. And so uh, I, uh, I'm envious of you and proud for you and proud of you. You're going to have an absolute blast uh, you're just you're gonna love it and whatever it is that uh, they want to do uh, you know it it may not be baseball i hope it is oh my gosh uh, i hope it is <laughs> but you know whatever it is uh, you're going to be thrilled with it and, and uh, you'll do a great job with them and it's so much fun it is just a hoot so it's funny uh, like they, I, I know business wise there's generational knowledge being passed down right literally my four-year-old gave me like found a five dollar bill like in 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 the house somewhere and he came and gave it to me he said daddy buy me a house and make me money right and i just kind of laughed right so like i know that stuff is automatic but like i have this baseball generational knowledge because you know i coach university yeah. of san francisco and long beach and, and and like you know many many years and played you know, a high level of baseball and but like that part of generational knowledge like i want to pass down on them but i don't yeah. want to i don't want to beat them over the head with it and i want them to want it right and so yeah. I did actually, we have a, it's crazy. We had no, no, basically for my wife's uh, mother, right? No grandkids six years ago. And now there are four boys all within a year of each other. Um, and so obviously I, I'll take them and we did, I did baseball with them hardcore for like six months, twice a week. Right. And then I gave them a break. Cause I was like, I need them to come back and ask me that they want to yeah. do it again versus, yeah. versus complete. but anyways, but I, I like that generational knowledge. I want to, give to them because I know the business Absolutely. at this point, the business is going to be automatic, you know? And so, but your boys, you know, how, how is that, how is that journey with the generational part of it? Like the different son, like you have three different sons, right? The different sons, like, can you see one really wanting to follow dad's steps and two not wanting to, or kind of wanting to follow, but wanting their own thing or what, what, what is that like with the three of them? Not, none of them. Yeah. Not none of them. I, I, I got, I have two older brothers uh, and I'm going through what my dad went through. So my two older brothers were already adults when my dad started his shoe business. Uh, and so he ended up with this uh, chain of shoe stores in, throughout Alabama. And when I hit high school, I kind of grew up in, in that part of the business with dad. So uh, as I was getting out of Bama, he was assuming that I wanted to take over the shoe business and he was getting ready to retire and he was going to sell them to me and he was going to order finance them for me. And, and it was just teed up like you wouldn't believe. And I had no interest whatsoever. I look back on that and, and crack up uh, uh, at how, uh, what a bad economic decision it was on my part. What However, an opportunity that is, right? But yeah, you yeah. Weren't ready. but I hadn't had no interest in it whatsoever. And same thing with my boys. Uh, they, my oldest has a house and has bought it, gutted it, rebuilt it. It's uh, fabulous. Uh, and so I'm very proud of that. And he, he says he learned a lot of that from me, but no interest in going into 
real estate. And the younger two, my middle in Oklahoma, he's in film and uh, which is a great um, uh, love of mine growing up. I've been in a few movies and a few TV shows and had a TV show. And uh, so he is in film and uh, just he won uh, as a freshman. Uh, and last year he entered some stuff and got some acclaim. But as a senior in high school, he won two uh, statewide competitions here. Uh, one had 3,000 entries in it. He won it. Uh, and the other one that he entered, uh, they only recognized 10 people. They didn't have a winner, but they took 10 people out and they had several hundred entries and he was one of the 10 and guy just has a phenomenal knack. And, and, uh, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable film. I know a lot of people uh, that are fairly high up in the film industry and uh, several of them used to work for me, which is crazy, but this guy uh, watches a movie and, and just sees stuff that I would never see. We'll talk about it. And, and I just, my mouth is hanging open at, as his understanding of the visual medium. So, you know, you look at it, you go, Hey, what, whatever it is that they want to do, I want to help them. Uh, I would love it. If it, I would have loved that he was going to Bama. He had talked about going to Bama a little bit his senior year and actually applied and was accepted. That was just ecstatic. And then, uh, then he changed his mind. Uh, <laughs> So those things happen and you just, uh, you're happy for him. You're proud for him. You want to be there and uh, you want to guide them when you can and when they ask for it. Uh, and so it's, there's nothing more impactful uh, than that we can have. Uh, so our, our personal relationship with God is the single most important thing that we have. Then that, translating through how we live our life on a daily basis and how it impacts our kids is the next thing. Uh, and I've, I've told them, I said, you know, uh, don't look at your mom and I look at what is truth. And what is truth is, is the single most important thing that you can do. And as you grow up and get married now, none of them are married yet. So obviously no kids for me, um, but no grandkids. And, and I'm okay with that at this moment, but, but it's like, Hey, you know, the most important thing that you can do in your relationship is have a great relationship with your spouse. That's the most important thing you can do for your kids. You know, it's, and women are really, uh, do this. And I, I'm sure I'm going to uh, step on some toes here and hopefully you won't get too much hate mail. But, you know, women, uh, have a, a tendency to put their kids before their marriage once they have children. And uh, I uh, cautioned my ex about that. And, and so, yes, ex about that. And then, and I have friends that I talk to about that. I'm like, hey, you know, yeah, you ought to take care of that guy in your life before putting those boys in front of him, because that's the best thing you can do for them is have a great marriage. I mean, it's, uh, so, it's difficult though, right? It's, it's a difficult yeah, yeah, no, it's, thing. It's even difficult as a man to put your wife before your kids, right? Unless you have concrete boundaries you know like like my yep. wife and i before we talked right there's conversations that you know vanessa and i had before we got married that were incredibly important and i think part of that's the the benefit of getting married at 30 instead of married at 20. Yeah. um part yeah. of it's being right you know with god before right before before marriage makes make, makes a big impact right um and though for me a lot of those conversations were had i said like look Here's the boundaries of, of, of what isn't very important to me. And we had a lot of these conversations. One is like, look, me before your family, right? Was it was a very important conversation for her being, you know, a Latina and, and having a large Hispanic family. I mean, like 
before COVID, a, a, a random, you know, easy birthday was 60 to 70 people, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, during COVID, you know, our pod, you know, we would, would have called it, right? Yes, in California, we had pods. I know Texas, you had barbecues, right? Um, where our pod, you know, was about 15 people, you know, with, with you yeah. know, all kids about the same age. And, and we stayed, you know, pretty, pretty close knit on it. And I don't really worry about those things as much, but there's a lot of people who do. And we don't need to dive yeah. down that rabbit hole yet. But so for, for us, well, though, one of the other ones, though, was you know, is that translated into us before, before our children. And that mm -hmm. is something like we stick to really hardcore. Yep. Um, and it's something as simple as like, my sons in the morning will come and jump in bed with us. Right. But they're not allowed to sleep with us at night. Right. We, yep. we, we don't do that because a marital beds for a marital bed. There's a purpose yep. for that marital bed and it's not to have children in it. Right. And, yep. And, and so like with my wife, I said, you know, I want to be intimate every single day. Right. And, and that's something that's important to me. And, and that was something we talked about before marriage, you know, before yep. we even got down that path. And I said, like, if these things don't work for, for you, like, let's not continue down a, down a, down a pointless yeah. journey, you know? And I'll tell you, there was, I remember being in Florida and I, I'm trying to remember the city I was in, but, but I was in Florida at an event I was speaking at and my wife and I were having a conversation and we got to this point where there was a conflict between, I think her mother, um, and her, right. Uh, and, and something they were doing and me and her relationship. Right. And it was the only time I ever gave my wife a, um, what do you call it? An ultimatum. Right. And the whole history of our really, it's the only ultimatum I think like where, where it was like, I had to give an ultimatum. Right. And I was like, I was like, look, it's, it, it's me before your family. And, and it's not about your mom. It's not about individual things. And I knew her, I actually met her mom before my wife. Her mom, her mom and I, she's our first investor in our, re, we have an amazing relationship. But in that situation, it was like me before your family decide. And, and I was like, it's like, we're engaged. We're going to get married. This is a concrete decision. It can't like, we're, this is, this is, and now, you know, 11 years later, this is still a prevalent conversation. And, but I'll tell you, it's difficult. It's difficult because there's times where her father and I don't get along, right? Because we have very different beliefs. You know, um, you know, I'm I'm believe in medical rights, right? I believe if you want to go get vaccinated, go get vaccinated. That's your right. And if I don't want to leave yeah. me alone, it's my right not to. You know, he thinks yeah. that's irresponsible. And I said, well, in my mind, you don't know the science and you don't know all the processes behind it. I've done. Trust me, there's absolutely no chance you've done a deeper dive into it than I have. You know, and. And so, but it's fascinating. Like I just respect his right to do what he wants to do, but I believe yeah. that's, you know, a non-traditional California police, but we'll see, you know, Newsom's getting recalled. People forget that Reagan and Schwarzenegger were, were, were on the red side. Right. So, you know, people yeah. forget it wasn't that long ago since California was a red state. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so well, and you know what you, we look at in case anybody's tuning in late and they're like, what are these guys talking about marriage and relationship? I thought this was a business show. You have to understand that it's the same things that make business work that make a relationship work. And, and that is you have to be you have to be committed. You have to be committed to each other. You have to be committed to your business. You have to be open in communication. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, the, the other book, uh, The Great Communicators. Uh, and it's a, a book uh, not about communication directly, but about people who were great communicators uh, and uh, are great communicators. Still, a lot of those people uh, uh, are still alive today, and some of them are from history and like Churchill and, and Abraham Lincoln. But you got to have those things where 
you have that communication. Oh, you got to have it with when you're building a business. You've got multiple employees. You have to be uh, open with those employees and be able to have a great communication with them, or they're not going to do a great job. And our responsibility as the leader, whether it's the leader in our family or the leader in our business, is to set the example and the door to be open. And hey, you could come in and ask me how to do this, whatever it is. Now, you may not agree with my answer. And if that's the case, then you need to step back for a second and go, okay, who's the boss and, and who's the employee or who signs my check? Uh, and, you know, it's okay that we're not always going to agree on everything. And I'm going to listen. I tell my contractors this all the time. I'm like, look, if you see something that you think that I can do better or you have a better idea, stop me and tell me. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to agree with you, but I want to hear it. And I've gotten some incredible ideas uh, from contractors through the years. And most of the time they're like, well, you know, uh, some people aren't open to that and, and a few are. And I said, well, I'm always open to that because it makes me a better investor. Like with my team, I have a clear cut rule. Like if I say this is how it's going to be done, if I say this is what I want, this is what I want, then I want yep. it done that way and I want it done to a T that way and I want it done as best as you can in your humanly possible ability to do that, mm -hmm. right? And if you're not going to do that that way, then you better come to me. You better have a discussion. We better figure out why you feel like there's a better way. And then if I still decide it's going to be done that way, it needs to be done that way. But I'm yeah. always open, right? It's like somebody, yeah. somebody, people all the time to me say like, hey, Dutch, can I send you this deal? Or Dutch, can I do that? Right. And, and I'm like on a podcast and I know this, you know, have thousands and thousands of people watch it. I've never in my entire life can think of a time where someone said, can I send you a real estate deal? And I said, no. Right now, yeah. it might have got sent and someone took a quick look at it before me. Right. To see if it if it was if it was good. I might have took a look at it and said, no, it's it's not a good deal. Right. Because it's just as important to say, no, something's not a good Absolutely. deal as it says to say yes to good deals. Um, yep. at, at the same time, I've, I've never said no. Right. And people are like, well, what kind of real estate do you do? Well, I'm like tax liens, tax. Yes, that's just one acquisition method. Right. Wholesaling, that's one acquisition method. Subject to one acquisition, seller finance. All these are acquisition, all these foreclosures, pre-foreclosures, they're all acquisition methods, right? It's just a method that's a part of our business. It's not actually, it's it, it, that's like a like a, a piece of knowledge or a tool, right? It's actually not methodology yeah. into why we buy or how we buy. And real real estate investors understand that, right? But yeah. but, but there's a lot of people who, who haven't been down enough dark holes to, to fully understand, like, the economy determines what methods you're going to use to do real estate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what a lot of people don't get is their strategy and tactics. Mm -hmm. And real estate is your strategy. It's my strategy. Now, the tactics under that are just the things you were mentioning. Am I doing a flip? Am I doing foreclosure? Am I doing multifamily? Am I doing tax? Those are strategies. You know, those are tactics underneath the strategy. But when I look at it, I, I may have eight or 10 tactics going on at any one time. But the strategy is real estate. And so you look at that and, and I agree 100% with you, but you're spot on when you say the economy dictates what's going on. You'll never find in the economy where at all times, real estate, all forms of real estate is up or all forms of real estate are down. It's kind of like the, the balance scales of justice. When uh, one side is up and other side. So when flips and, and the retail market has been like crazy, the rental market tends to be soft. Well, then things start to change and, and we will see a change. Uh, and I'm starting to see the underpinnings of that already. 
even as crazy as the market is right now, we're starting to see the underpinnings change that we would have had a um, a turn in the real estate market in the retail residential market already had it not have been uh, for COVID and the foreclosure moratorium. Had that not happened, we'd already had that. The market can't stay hot forever. We've had an incredibly long run. We are due uh, for the market to cool off. And for those of you that are, you know, don't get freaked out about that if you're listening to it, because what happens is, so you go back to when uh, this run started. This run started uh, here in Texas, started at the end of 2012. Most everywhere by the time we got into, into the first quarter, second quarter of 2013, the market was on the run and, and it was taken off. So when prices start to drop, and they can drop dramatically, but they're not going to drop back to where they were in the end of 2012 or 2013. It's just not going to happen. It's only happened well, once, and, and that was during the The pressure. other part of that is inflation over overseats part of that drop as well. Yeah. And yep. the, the other thing that I think that, that is real fascinating about real estate right now is that, you know, America is, the American dollar is not backed by gold, right? It's not backed by anything real other than the yeah. word of our government, right? Yeah. And by I mean, ink on paper. Yeah. And, and so for me, you know, there is there is some games to be had and games to be played. Right. Um, and, and we have to pay attention to those games that are being played through the politicians, through the World Bank, through, um, you know, the American Treasury, through, you know, all kinds of different places. Right. And and so I think there's a lot of awareness. I mean, actually, 2020, it got hard to do real estate as an investor for a small window because lenders, you know, butts all puckered. Right. And, and they got they got they got scared and. And, you know, it's about a six month, you know, window where, where, you know, the financing part of that business, actually real estate wasn't that hard, but the financing part of it was hard for a little period of time. But, you know, we doubled down and invested harder during that time than we had in a long time because we were built since 08 because I, you know, cut my teeth, you know, started in 06, 07 and then, and then really hit it, you know, after 08, 09 is where I really, you know, started to understand, you know, real estate. Nice. So I've been building the whole time waiting for the next 08, right? And I've, you know, been preparing and, and arranging capital and raising different things. Right. But there's a reason why we're very cash heavy right now and ready, um, for the, for the, for the next window. Um, because that's, you know, the window where, where, where you win tremendously. Yeah. But I also yeah. think there's a shadow inventory coming from the banks again. I think there's a big gap, um, before they allow the foreclosures to come out. But I think the County foreclosures, um, you know, will also come out at a faster pace because of the tax liens mm -hmm. and deeds and those kind of things. And, um, and so there's just a lot of different things that, that are, that are happening, but it, it's a fun time because literally from, you know, 2019, I already thought we were going to hurt the first bubble. Right. So we were going into COVID right into 20. Right. I had done some videos like there's a bubble coming right now. Everybody be prepared. And then COVID hit and like, okay, well that made me right. But that made me right because of the pandemic, not right. Because yeah. the real estate, you know, it popped, you know, a small pop. Right. And then it re it re it relaunched itself. So it, it, it's a fascinating time from a real estate standpoint, you know, when do you think, let me ask you this. I've never been an office guy. I've never been in a new invested into office space. It's never been, been my thing, but when it's low, right. is always the best time to invest into anything. Sure. So, absolutely. So right now I think there's tens of millions, if not even a billion in square footage that's vacant, that's being mm -hmm. paid for. Right. So companies are vacant, like you have medical billing. I would, because we're, we're actively looking because of our expansion, new offices right now. And I was in a medical bill, billing, uh, really, really beautiful A class property the other day where they had a medical billing, which typically isn't where medical billing would be. 
and they you know had a hundred thousand square feet um that they had leased that they were they were looking to you know sublease out a five-year sublease which is a really long sublease um they were looking to sublease because all hundred thousand square feet of people are now working at home and yeah. so for me i think yeah. there's a bubble you know office has slowed but it hasn't gone down you know as far as from evaluation i mean people are still selling them mm-hmm. at five and six caps all day long and commercials a little bit different because you know if you'll pay a five or six cap but then i started diving deeper and i was finding that there were some big companies that literally about every three or four years were buying office space from each other um and 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 i was like well they're they're you know preventing a bubble that way for themselves you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and i was looking you know they're like 50 percent occupancy and different things so when do you think that 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 bubble's coming well we're somewhat into it with how many people are at home and there's been so much speculation and written uh, about the fact that we're probably not ever going to go back to the workplace at the same level that we were at uh, that there's a ton of people that and a ton of companies that have realized that we can have people work from home and it worked just fine uh, and so that being the case let's not have that additional overhead let's let them work from home and so, you know, there may be uh, 20%, 30% of the people that uh, before COVID worked in an office that'll be working from home from now on. Uh, and that's fine. And that's going to create and another 10%, the opportunity. Another 10% who will never want to work again or 5%. Yeah. yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a different conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but you're looking at that. So, you know, so that that's going to create uh, a realignment, a readjustment on commercial property and we're going to see uh, some higher vacancies. We're going to see square footage rates either uh, stabilize and just go flat or likely they're going to go down. And it's always like with any piece of real estate, it is when the opportunity strikes, it's what am I going to do with this piece of property once I acquire it? So when I'm looking at uh, an office building, whether you're looking at the whole building, in this case, like you, you could be looking at a floor or a couple of floors or something mm-hmm. uh, and doing a master sublease out of. I did that for many years and, and it was a great deal for me. And I'm always keeping an eye out for an opportunity like that again. But what you're looking at is, can I get in it super cheap? Can I get in it in such a fashion at such a dollar amount that then I can go to somebody who's maybe paying 25, 28, $30 for a grade premium uh, a foot. And I can go to them and say, Hey, I can put you in this at $18 and it's the same quality property, but it's because where we came in at, and if you can do that and companies will move for those kind of numbers, they'll figure out, Hey, we can do something else with that property. We'll get out of it. We'll let our attorneys fight out of it or whatever. Uh, we'll come over here and be in your building. And of course, we're looking at the same thing. We're looking at five and 10 year leases uh, whenever we do that kind of thing. But it's always, uh, am I buying it at the right number? If I can get control of it at the right number, then I've got opportunity. And so one of the great things I love about real estate investors uh, as a group is we are, are more visionary than most business people out there because we see things like an empty mall and figure out what can be done with it. And, and th- that's a space right there that, uh, you know, th- there's just malls all over our country uh, that are 
vacant right now. They're they're not going to come back as a mall because that retail environment has changed. Amazon. It's, it's fascinating though because there's those those exist right. You go any any major yeah. city in America, they exist. But then as well, there are malls that are five times busier than they've ever been in the history of their business. And so it's like this exchanging dynamic. It's like when COVID first hit, right? Our investors freaked out. Like people just sure. freaked out, right? And everybody did. Yeah. And I and I, you know, for me, I I immediately we did a COVID nineteen amendment to the SEC. We did it immediately to offer a guarantee. First time we'd ever offered a guarantee with, with our REIT. And and for me I just said, like, let me let me just try and stabilize this a little bit. You know, like I know we're fine. I know we're gonna be fine. And but I need my investors to be comfortable with being fine too. And so I yeah. did that that COVID nineteen a minute. But reality was is like we had a, a number of people freak out. Then we had a also had a bunch of people who doubled down, you know, and, and invested more with us. And and so there's just like this weird exchange that's going on, even where like I think like for me, my people want to work from the office. Like mm-hmm. they, they also want flex. They want freedom, right? They want to be able to spend an extra day working from home because actually for some of them they know it helps them concentrate but they also need the synergy of the office right. environment too and and then i have like i had people during covid where i was like look work from home if you want to work from home come to the office if you want to come off make your own choice you're an adult right make the choice for you and your family and those kind of things and i had a, a ton of people that just came you know they didn't yeah. want to work from home and so i think there's that balance for a lot of people too because they don't have an environment where they where it's comfortable to work from home you know um, and yeah. so there's there's those exchanges, and so but then when there's exchanges, there's new things that open up in very very different ways, and it takes that creative mind right to be able to recognize yep. those exchanges. Like to me, like back in the day, I remember teaching a course because I had done this on a self storage and a couple of apartments, mm-hmm. right? I did a taught a master lease option purchase, you know, course where basically you know yep. you lease the this is for them, not for you. I know you know, but you lease you lease the property for the amount of income it makes to the existing owner, then you ramp up the income. Now you can justify purchasing it for a better price than they would have previously gotten. Plus then banks will finance you better. So it's this kind of kind of cool strategy. Um, it takes being an absolute master at the game to be able to, to be able to do it, right? And that's one of the reasons I stopped teaching it like nationally was because I just felt like it wasn't fair to a common person to sell them on this dream that it takes them being like an extraordinarily high level to be able to master it, right? And I try to teach yeah specific techniques to people right that i know that 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 everyday everyday people can do right i mean i'll I'll share the more advanced knowledge and stuff with people too because they want to it's their freedom i mean one of the guys who did a master lease uh, to this day i'll never forget it right his name was john stevens was an autistic autistic guy right and he did three of them and he never stopped right and 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 like he i mean i mean not and i'm not talking like like barely like you wouldn't recognize he had autism. No, you knew he had autism, right? It was definitely and then and then the crazy part was another autistic student that came through the seminars, him and his name was Henry. The two of them met and they started working at it together, right? And so like nice. and it, but at the same time, that was a really advanced. So with the offices right now, I'm like, well, can I lease for a dollar a square foot and resell for two dollars a square foot and like could at least, mm-hmm. you know, $150,000, you know, 150,000 square feet, you know, at a dollar a square foot, you know, yep. and, and a lot of people was like, well, you know, that's not a common game. I wouldn't go and teach that to everybody in the world because what am I, I'm going to tell you, you're going to go put a, you, most people don't have a 150,000 for six months to be able to put at risk before they're yeah. able to lease out yeah. at $2 a square foot. But I'm also, that's just me tinkering, right? It's not actually something I'm, I think I'm going to go well, and do, but my mind never stops the tinkering. Yeah. And, there, and there's, 
what that says is that you're always looking at what the opportunities are. And so many times, and when I'm teaching classes, I, I try to warn people about getting too tunnel vision uh, in real estate with a particular type of real estate. It's like, yeah, I, I want you to be focused on the niche that you're comfortable with and that you resonate with because that's going to help you grow that. But as you get a solid footing in that, you're going to get the itch to try some other things and always be cognizant of that because there's more ways to do this game than you can imagine. Uh, and so it's, it's great that you still do that because that's what happens. We get out there and, and when we look, I've, I've been doing this thing almost 30 now and I see I more opportunity that. today. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I see more opportunity now and I get more excited and, and it, it's kind of like, the more you learn about it, the more you realize that you don't know about it, the more there is to know about it. But you also just see opportunities that 10 years ago I wouldn't recognize. Five years ago, I might not have recognized. And you you see those today and you see how it fits for you. That doesn't fit for everybody. Uh, but for you and I, things fit differently because we've been doing this a while. And every time you have a level of success, it's easier to recognize that next level. And so what is it that I want to do to be able to bump up and continue to scale my business? Um, and I had mentioned to you, uh, you know, one of the things that we did is a guaranteed income program. Uh, and so we're, we're doing some things right now uh, that most people, are, well, you, you can't say you can guarantee that. Well, oh, yeah, I can. Uh, not only can I, but, you know, we've been doing it and, and we can continue to do it. So. Well, diving down, that. diving down that rabbit hole, right? I think yep. the day we started partnering on deals with people, right, was a day that um, I think the game began to tremendous, like, change for our business. And it became, I no longer accepted, and I, this is why you did the guaranteed income. I, I, I yep. guarantee it. And is, is I no longer accepted failure from my students who paid me money. Like, I, I just wouldn't accept. People who pay me you know, more than like, it's one thing to go buy a course for a hundred bucks and you go and make a choice about whether you go and do something or not. But people who pay 10, 20, 30, 50, a hundred thousand dollars for mentorship yeah. and education, not to make money is just completely unacceptable. Right. Yep. And you shouldn't even have a program for, in my opinion, that, 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 that charges people that kind of money unless they, they're going to make money. And I'm, yep. I don't mean like going to make money, like maybe possibly, 5% or 10% of your, even 20% to me is not acceptable, right? So for us, yep. like with our inner circle, like 100%, right? Like you're going to make money. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, then 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 we're going to refund your money and and, and I'm going to pat you on your butt and, and go away. And, I think we, <laughs> Send you anyway. that's, and that's about one out of 100 for us, right? So for you, yep. like guaranteed income, I, I love it because I, I know you took it to a different level of like what's acceptable mm -hmm. numbers wise and acceptable uh, failure, acceptable, you know, so go ahead. Well, uh, on our cash on cash ROI, we 40% is our minimum yearly. And so when we're talking to clients on the front end, they're like, well, you can't do that. Can you? I'm like, that's our floor. That's not our ceiling. That's not a goal we hope to hit and establish. That's our minimum. If it's not hitting 40, we pass on it. And like, well, you can't and like, yeah, we can, because we know what we're doing and, and we've got, a ton of property that we can show you that not hypothetical deals, properties that are in the portfolio, here's the numbers on them. 
you do the math and tell me what the return is. And you, their eyes get big when they start doing that. And it's well, it's like, one of the reasons we became a REIT was, was to say, hey, yeah. look, like we, we, we're going to have audited financials. We're going to be SEC qualified. We're going to have, you know, the fact checker stick that thumb where it doesn't belong and know, <laughs> know whether or not, you know, it's, it's real or not. And so for me, like 40% is, sounds completely reasonable because if you back that out yeah. from a cost standpoint, right, after after you make the 40% return, right, we made 36.7 last year. Last, you know, that mm -hmm. was 2020. And then and then the last 12 months, I think we're at like 35 35% for the last 12 months. Yep. And so I can definitely see, you know, 40%, you know, in an individual deal, if you can't make 40%, you're just not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's all it is, is, is we get inside their head and we take out the bad stuff that keeps the blinders on them and say, open up for the possibility of, first of all, would you admit that you don't know everything about real estate? They're like, yeah, well, neither do I. But you know what? I know enough to be able to bring in these kind of returns. And so, you know, we sit down and and uh, it's funny because you'll see them when when they start and they're getting 40 percent. They're just like, oh, my gosh, I never believed this world could exist. And four months later, they're like, look, this is 68 percent. But I think that the next one's going to be better. <laughs> it's like, wow, you got greedy in a hurry. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, so, or, or like it, it's fascinating because like when I, we first started our inner circle, it was me, right? I was the only one really like truly doing fulfillment, you know? And mm -hmm. so we would do a joint venture and we would do a deal. And if they needed an update, I'd get a text and I'd shoot them back an update on it, right? And and now like you look at like there's, we use like Appfolio if you've heard of it, but it's a, you know, project management, you know, yep. real estate property management software. So they have access to a portal where they can go in and they can look at their deals and they get a you know monthly email Excellent. update from one of our team and like different things. So then when I hear someone like complain about communication, I'm like, do you have any idea what it was like five, six, seven years ago, right? <laughs> Compared to the like the service you're getting today or like the returns. Like so when I first started doing tax liens and deeds, you know, it was a year before you could clear title. You know, it's just yeah. that's pretty common in, in that industry. And so most of the deals I did, you know, seven years ago with my investors, it was like, hey, look, this is a year long deal. Granted, we bought it at 30 cents, right, or 40 cents on the dollar, but this is a year before we're going to be clear to either, you know, really leverage or do for different things. And now, you know, owning a title company and just different things that become a part of the game to make that, you know, reality very different. And so now the other day, like someone was complaining that they were like in month four of a, of a, of a, of a, of a fix, right? And, uh, and they're complaining about the amount of time that it's taking. And I'm like, you know, just take, just take a deep breath through that one and reset expectations and reset boundaries so that they can have a clear visual and understanding. Like if you're doing rehabs less than six months, then you're doing phenomenal. Right. And in, in, in today's world of, of permits and I mean, even Fort Worth, it's a big city, I'm sure. Yeah. Even, even yeah. in Fort Worth, even Wait. though Texas has, you know, no laws and, and you're just, you know, all country bumpkins, but you know, at the same time, no, there's a lot of permitting in Texas and they, they I mean, Fort Worth yeah. is as sophisticated a city as anywhere in the world. Um, so it's pretty cool. You know, you, you have to you have to go through those journeys. Yeah. And we get tickled because you and I've seen we've dealt with so many people that have, have been out there and uh, they've gotten involved in the in what I refer to as the TV programs, meaning they, they got involved in real estate from uh, watching somebody on TV. And yeah. And and guys that uh, and, and some of them are dear friends of mine and guys that I love and respect greatly. But we differ uh, dramatically in the fact that 
they teach a lot of this uh, get rich quick and you know you can make a hundred thousand dollars in the in the next 30 days with our program and you know and well, let's, I, I let's talk it. about let's talk about wealth what is wealth right so yeah. for me for me you know wealth equals freedom to me the more freedom you can buy um in life yep. right for me is is as wealth is achieved right um for me the flipping of the house the turning of of of, of a deal shortly right never created freedom it created income for me right and right. and so though in this moment there's a satisfaction with the turn there's a satisfaction with the flip but that's not wealth and so as we right. began to stack assets hold on to assets i started to understand like the wealth game and and granted if you're looking at what i have to get accomplished in the next six months yeah you probably need to flip you know but if you're looking at what you're going to accomplish in the next 10 years of your life in my opinion yet you have to hold and you have to stack. What, Absolutely. What, what's, what's your voice on it? Well, uh, when I teach clients, and this is how how we build our own personal portfolio, is that look, th we're talking about two words here. We're talking about rich and wealth. And to get to wealth, you have to go through rich. Mm -hmm. Rich is a fat paycheck. Rich is flipping. Rich is wholesaling, where you get big money buying. But wealth is passive income. Wealth is you'll never get wealthy having to do. You can't do enough flips to get wealthy. You'll never get wealthy where it takes a constant. I've got to do this to get that check. You get wealthy by, OK, I did that to get that check. Now I've put that money into this vehicle and this vehicle is spitting out income to me, whether I ever do anything else or not. And that's passive income. And that's what uh, guarantee, our guaranteed income program is about. That's what, uh, when you look at multifamily, when you look at rental property, when you look at office buildings, that's what that's about, is building an asset base that is always putting out income. I only have to spend a certain amount of time and a certain amount of money on the front end, and then I get uh, this income coming in on a monthly and a yearly basis from now on. And yeah, as I go through the year, I'm going to have a, a small amount of time that I'll have to go just make sure everything's okay. Got And most of the time, I'm just looking at that. I'm not there at the property. I may be talking to the property manager, but I'm looking at the reports just to make sure everything's okay. And that takes a very small amount of time. A flip, uh, which is, and we teach both strategies, and that they go hand in hand. Because for many people, what you have to do is you have to do the flip to get the big check to have the funds to be able to go start building the wealth side of your portfolio. And so we, we go through this process of this just mental understanding of this is rich, this is wealthy, and this is how we go from being rich to being wealthy. This is the plan and the path, uh, and we'll do both of them. And we have to do both of them uh, because the more money that you have to build your portfolio with, the faster it builds, the more wealth you create. And then am I in a position as that money starts, that passive money starts to come in? Am I having to take that to live on or can I now reinvest that and let that grow bigger and bigger and bigger? Uh, and, and that's what we try to get people to do. So we have them doing both. We have them doing flips you know, to create the cash to be able to build a passive portfolio. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. So for me, like I remember the day I had a breakthrough on on in, in the business when it came to like there was certain money breakthroughs for me. Right. 
And, and I remember one of the breakthroughs, I remember I'm sitting, uh, I remember I was in a hotel room and I think I'd flown in to meet with business partners and we're having a meeting and we're just talking about, you know, our portfolio. We're talking about things that we're doing, talking about real estate, talking about how we were doing things. And I said, every time I acquire a property, I am acquiring more cash, right? I take $100,000 of cash to acquire another $100,000 in cash, right? Or I take $100,000 of cash to acquire a $400,000 property. Now I have $400,000 working for me, right? To create, you know, a passive return from an equity standpoint, right? And so one of the things, you know, I've looked at is cash flow, right? Balanced, because I never want to be in a, in a, in a, in a, a dangerous cash flow position, right? But for me, you know, at this point in time, our investors, you know, we're, we're probably in the next 12 months, we'll achieve over 10 million, right, in appreciation equity, right, from, from, from our, our existing portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but that breakthrough had me started looking at the game differently. I said, if I'm going to spend this much time, right, um, acquiring property to acquire more capital, I said, I'm going to spend a lot more time working on acquiring more capital so I can acquire more property so I can acquire more capital. Right. Yep. And, 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 and it's one's feeding the next, feeding the next, feeding the next. Right. But then how can I also set up a situation where everybody's working towards the same goal? And so that was one of the other breakthroughs for me in my real estate game was how do I take all of my mentees, right? All of the people that invest with us to help them, you know, build their own real estate. Portfolio. How do I get us all working towards the same goal versus teaching them and then everybody working towards 452 different goals. But if you're yeah. working towards one united goal, what I've found is then even that passive effort of everybody working towards that goal is crazy more effort than any individual can ever put in themselves. And the storm that sure. that creates from a momentum standpoint was, was those are all like over the years have been really big breakthroughs, breakthroughs for us, you know, and, and, and I think within our it, it mentees or our investors, right, that, that exist with us, I think there's those who, who work towards that goal. Um, and I think those who, who work towards their own goal are those that put the two together and do both at the same time, right? But that, that you know, part of it has been, been, been really massive for us as we stack that wealth. And so that equity play for us is, is, is very huge as we create this larger and larger equity gap. You know, and and between between amount of original capital invested versus the amount of total equity that's been built and total equity that's been put at play. Now, how do we take that equity and put that equity to work? Right. How do we make that equity produce more equity and and without putting ourselves in a cash flow dangerous position? Right. And so for us, like I look at like Elon Musk or I look at like Bezos. Right. And their companies produce a buttload of cash. But at the same time, their wealth isn't cash. Right. They're, they're, they're billions on top of billions is equity. You know, it's stock equity. It's not income equity. Right. Yep. And, and so so I, I kind of there's some things within that modeling that I look at, some things within that modeling I pay I pay attention to as we go through it. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time just observing what the billionaires do that are accessible sure. to us. Um, and, 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 and it's not that. I, I need to be them or I want to be like them. It's more I want to observe and understand them because the more I yeah. understand what they're doing, the more I understand the different plays. Like I understand different, you know, reasons why there's different units, right? One of the models I follow, there's a company out here called Wedgwood, um, which which is a, a, a billion dollar flipper basically, right? And, and you know, they have 
an insane amount of things and they own their own title company and they own their own real estate agency and you have your own real estate agency. And so, you know, I watch, watch those things and I model, 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 model. So how, how do you wage your cash flow versus equity, you know, balance within what, with, within what you're doing? Yeah, there's an interesting, and one of the guys that, uh, that I follow as a mentor is a guy named uh, Dan Henry out of Florida and gave one of the great explanations I've, I've ever heard of that. And that was this. He said, look, for your income to go up, your bank account is going to go down. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, that's so simple and so spot on. It's so brilliant because most people miss that. They want their income to go up, but they don't want to spend the money to do it. And we have to do that. Does it take money to make money? Yes, it does. Can you do that with other people's money? Yes, you can. But money changes hands somewhere. And so what we take a look at is when funds are coming in, what is that money costing us either in time or in interest? What is it costing us to have access to those funds? Then how can I arbitrage that? and still keep my minimum rate of return coming in. And so that's all the banks do. That's all uh, credit card companies do. That's all mortgage companies do. That's, that's all uh, Bezos. That's all these, all of these entities do is cash is created. There's a cost associated with creating that cash. And then that cash is reinvested and we get to keep what's in the middle. And so, that's just a basic uh, arbitrage of, of money that's been going on yeah, since money's existed. Uh, it's always been, hey, I can get it for this and sell it to you for that. We've called it markup. We've called it retail. We've called it whatever. But it's the arbitrage of um, equity. It's the arbitrage of return. You know, it's, and that's it's, what I'm it's looking funny. at. I, I, I look at that concept, too, mm-hmm. and I, I discuss this. And this goes very counterproductive than traditional a lot of traditional thought, right? So like the, uh, you know, the Dave Ramsey financial peace kind of thought and stuff, right? It's like, put 10% away, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what phase in your life you are, put 10% away, right? And I, 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 I agreed with that for a period of time. And then I started looking at like, if I only, if someone only has, cause we've talked to some really high level stuff today too, right? So, but let's say, let's say you're, you're in the fight, right? Let's say, you know, you're, you, you got, $5,000 that you have something to do with, right? You've been saving, you've been worked your butt off to put that $5,000 away and you're in a financial position where, and, and I know a lot of financial experts, a lot of thought leaders would disagree with me with what I'm about to say, but I'd say don't invest it, right? And 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 and, and here's where, where I disagree with them. If, if, if all you've been able to save and put together is $5,000, I say invest it in your ability to make more money. And and and, yeah. and 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 the reality is for me, five thousand dollars even at a forty percent return is two thousand dollars a year. Two thousand dollars a year is not going to make an impact on your life. But if nope. you can take that five thousand nope. dollars, you can expand your ability to earn, and now you can earn an extra five thousand dollars in the next twelve months, or you can earn an extra ten thousand dollars in the next twelve months. Right now, with that yeah. expanded ability to earn. You're going to have more money to invest and you can make that impact on investing. Now, there might be a point in time, well, I, I think I've capped out. I don't know how to expand right my ability to earn, which is something that you just haven't figured out yet because there's always an ability to expand your ability to earn. 
But at the same time, if you feel like you're capped out, then that is a, definitely a point in time. Then put it to work and invest it and, and, and have it working for you. And, and I, there is a point in time when you have to say, OK, I'm going to put something away and have it invested. But the reality is, if once you invest, you got to live without it. And that, that's the thing that a lot of people struggle with, too, because they want to invest and then they want that money to live their lifestyle. And if you're retiring, yes, that's the whole philosophy. But outside of being retired and that being the philosophy, you need to invest and let it compound because the compounding effect is where the magic happens. Your first time where it makes 40% really isn't going to change your life. Even with a million dollars invested, if you go from a million to 1.4 million, does that really change your portfolio? No. But on the 10th cycle of that, the game has completely changed and you have millions yeah. of dollars, right? Versus a million dollars. Now the whole game the whole game has changed. And so like you have to live without impacting the, the compounding cycle. So those, yeah. are, those are some of my thoughts. So when you say that on the 10th cycle, yeah, one of the things that a lot of people miss when they start looking at the cycles, and we take a ton of time in our classes to make sure that people are understanding this so they don't miss that compound is that, okay, so, it, and let's take those numbers. Let's take a million at 40% and, and here's 400 grand. We're not taking that 400 grand out. That 400 grand is staying in. So in cycle two or year two, we're not investing another million. Now we're investing 1.4 and we're getting that same 40% back. So now we're getting another, we're getting another 400,000 off the million. Yeah. Then we're getting 160 on that. So going into year three, now we're You're at 560. Almost at 2 million already. Yeah. And you start looking at that and you start looking at eight, 10 years down the road of that. And I always the tell numbers people, get a simple, a simple basic is if they just, people just need to take an Excel spreadsheet, right? And, and, yeah. and if you don't know what an Excel spreadsheet is, Google Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> take a, a, a simple, right? Take, take an online class, right? Get, get yourself yep. familiar with it if, if this is beyond that. But if, if it's not for you, take an Excel spreadsheet and just start compounding numbers, right? Do, you know, $1,000 times 10% for 30 years. Do $1,000 times 20% for 30 years. Do $1,000 times 30% for, for 20 years, right? Do $100,000 yeah. and do the same cycle. And then it'll mind blow you, right? How that money compounds. Will. And I always say our people that are, that are just mind blown are the people that put in a chunk and then they put in more like on a monthly, quarterly yeah. basis. They continue to kind of add to it because then that compounding effect is ridiculous, right? It's yeah. already compounding, but then you're adding more fuel to the compound. And it, it's, it, it's 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 pretty amazing. Kim is sort of yeah. like, they're talking about compounding constantly. <laughs> this is financial, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's same thing. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and, and that's that thing. Once you understand that, and and that's the key, in my opinion, to becoming wealthy is understanding how compound works, why it works, and then how do I play in that? So how do I get, if you can be flat broke right now, you can go out and uh, wholesale a deal and, and come up with a few thousand dollars, then use that few thousand dollars to get you a hard money loan to do a flip. Now you got 40, 50, a hundred thousand dollars, then take that money and start looking at now I want to go, I can either do another flip, which I would uh, possibly say, but I'd likely suggest against, no, take that and go put it into something that's going to create passive income for you. Put it in a multifamily property uh, and or put it in, in a guaranteed income program, which teach you how to do that. Then start over again. Then go back and you probably don't have to wholesale a deal the second time. You've got some experience now 
and you can go straight to doing the flip the second time and get a hard money loan and you can bring private money in to cover the down payment on the heart and we just it's all mental uh you know you and our baseball guys and, and uh, uh i never hit uh, anywhere near the the height that you did in baseball yeah but you However, had an office in the center uh, field of arlington <laughs> park so i mean so come on now uh, there's the, you know, Yogi Bear, you know, the guy, and I'm sure I'll, I'll screw the quote up, but basically it was, uh, you know, 80% of baseball is mental and the other half is all in your head. That's money. It's all here. That's one of the great lessons I got from my dad. My dad said business is never good or bad out there. Business is good or bad right here. And if it's good in here, it doesn't matter what's happening out there. Your business is going to be good. It also doesn't matter how good business may be going out in the world. If it's bad in your noggin, your business is going to be bad. And that has stuck with me. My dad's been gone for uh, 15 years now. Uh, and long before he died, that has stuck with me. And it's just, it's one of those things that is a building block of your success in life. So everybody, I, we're, we're getting ready to be a wrap. And I want to say a few things. You know, number one, one of my most important things about our podcast, right? We say American entrepreneurialism, American rights, right? Um, and, and and these are things that are incredibly important to us. And for me, you know, Bill is the, the epitome of both. And I don't do a lot of product promotion. I don't, you know, we have a pretty big, you know, education information business. We don't promote, promote other thought leaders. It's just something we don't do, right? We believe in protecting and keeping our people. So for me to have Bill on, for me to share, have him share with all of you just goes to my deep level of gratitude and respect for the impact, you know, he makes on people's lives, makes on investors, makes on the world, right? Go buy his book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich, right? I know you can buy many different things with Bill, but go go buy his book, right? Make him, you know, be crazy, you know, you guys make him a New York Times bestseller for a book he wrote 30 years ago, that'd be pretty insane, right? Um, and same thing, go buy his book. Um, those of you, you know, who wanna get, you know, some really good, I mean, really solid real estate education, real estate mentorship, right? Um, cash, financial mentorship, right? Go to secretstocashnow.net, secretstocashnow.net. We'll put those in the description below, but there's so much crap. There's so much BS out there. There's so much noise. And, and Bill and I had no plan, nothing, you know, rehearsed. Actually, even before we started, I was like, let's not even start talking till we get on the podcast because I just want it to be real. And I mean, we covered some like, just nasty good stuff today so i mean i love it um bill just crazy respect for your your, your thoughts today i mean I, there's things that i took as check marks in, in my mind today as as we talked and and appreciate your faith um you know it all starts there um it's it's, it's people people forget that that yeah. like i always say like sometimes i know i'm good but i'm only good because because of god and i'm only and and, and sometimes yep. i'm not that good and, and, and so, so a lot of the greatness comes from something more than that's me. And I think that's, you know, purposeful and, and reasonable. And I think in a, in, a, in a world where sometimes people feel guilty for sharing, you know, yeah. that passion of that faith, I think that's an ugly world that, that isn't a world I want, would ever want to be in, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and so, you know, uh, it's, it's super firm in my beliefs and, and super firm in Bill's. And I think, you know, I think it's a great yeah. place to finish. Um, go go buy Bill's book. Go to, go to you know, the secrets to cash now.net because cause if I don't say it again, then, then you'll forget to go do it. So go do it. But um, God bless, brother. You want to do something fun real quick for about 20 seconds here? Let's do it. So you've got Dutch's contact info, send him an email and say, Hey, I want a copy of Bill's book 
and I'll send you a digital copy for being on the podcast with us today. No cost, just to thank you for you being here with us and and that's for your people for all right well, let me tell uh, them which email to send do. it to before i start getting emails all over the place so um <laughs> send the email to dutch at raddiversified.com right so everybody knows that's not dutch's personal email that is a customer service email um that the team will take care of you because i always learned a long time ago if i'm playing middleman stuff's going to get delayed but my team will make sure you get taken care of so send that to dutch at raddiversified.com which is our our reit um that people invest yep. with us in and uh yeah look appreciate you brother but let's do it yeah you let's do it i wanted them to go buy it now you're giving it to them <laughs> right. for free come on bill <laughs> hey i've got a new one coming out so good we'll get them hooked in on good. this one they go buy the new one I'll, I'll tell you right now i can i can walk the the webcam over to to my office right now and um are you dumb enough to be rich sits on my bookshelf so it's pretty you, pretty amazing actually one of my guys here uh buddy one of one of the team that helps us put on the podcast yeah. he actually said it's at my house right now so i, I encourage my team to re <laughs> read from the library so Sweet. All right, Excellent. brother. Talk soon. Good seeing you. You bet. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hard Money Podcast with Dutch Mendenhall. Don't forget to visit our website, economicactivist.com. That's www.economicactivist.com.